All right. Again, we're here to talk about the Holy Altar of Elohim. Amen. All right. In particular, we're going to speak about an altar of earth. Yes, we're going to speak about an altar of earth in particular. Yah told Moshe to make an altar of earth. You know, the altar of Elohim is the first piece of furniture in his tabernacles or in his temples for that matter. And for good reason. But it's absolutely essential to his plan concerning becoming one with him. Understand that I actually can't see. All right. Um, Understand that within the tabernacles and temples um, of Elohim is entailed Yah's way for man to join him. I got it. Um, that said, what part does Yah's altars play in, play in this map? You know, essentially, like the tabernacles and the temples of Elohim is simply a map to the presence of Elohim, if, if you understand what I'm saying. You know, what you saw out there in that wilderness that's described and in numbers as well as exodus of Yah bringing this is israel out into the wilderness what he formed in that wilderness is actually the way of yahuwah the way to his presence you know if you can understand that then you have a chance of understanding how to get into his presence you know uh, which is represented by the holy of holies okay you know, and so it's important to understand that, you know, essentially when you consider that man that was laid out in that wilderness, if you, if you consider the way Yah formed, you know, or positioned the four tribes around his tabernacle, you know, four to the east, four to the west, four to the north, and four to the south, you know, it pictures a man laid out in the wilderness like us. And within the center of that man, we find the tabernacle of Elohim. Amen. You know, and so if we were to look at this as a map, so to speak, a map that we can lead, that will lead us right into the presence of Elohim, we'll find that before we can even get to the tabernacle, we would have to actually go through the flesh. Around the tabernacle is nothing but the tents the tents of all the children of Israel that make up Israel. Now, within these tents, these tents are tabernacles, such as, such as we're in, we're sleeping in during these days. They're temporary dwelling places, you know, and actually they're a form of flesh in our actuality because that's who was living in them. Flesh was living in them. And so what we see here is a picture of the way of Yahuwah, the way into his presence. Amen. And so once, once we understand that, you know, then we can have a chance of following that, that trail into God's presence. And so that's what I want you to understand first and foremost, that it is a map. It is the way 
into God's presence. But if you don't understand the symbolism that's entailed therein, then you're still not going to understand how to get in. You know, so that's what we're here today to deal with the first aspect. So we're here to deal with what part did the altar play in this map? What is y'all trying to teach us by making the altar the first station? You know, is it just to burn animals upon? Was it just, just a place to give honor and worship to Yah? Or was it to teach us something concerning the way of Elohim? You know, and it's absolutely something to teach us the way of Elohim because he didn't really want the blood of, of those bulls and goats and sheep. You know, he even said so, you know, so we know that wasn't it. And he doesn't want that type of honor, you know, and, and, and glory. He rather us rend our hearts and give of ourselves, you know, so it's definitely to teach us something. And that's what we're going to delve in today to find out what we can glean from it. You know, so we're going to start off with Exodus 20, verse 22 through 25. You know, and it reads, it says, And Yahuwah said unto Moshe, Thus thou shalt say unto the children of Israel, Ye have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. Now, this is very important. You know, what's, what's coming next? It says, Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, Neither shall ye make unto you gods of gold. An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and, and uh, shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings and thy peace offerings, thy sheep and thine oxen. In all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee, and I will bless thee. And if thou wilt make me an altar of stone, thou shalt build it of hewn stone. For it, if thou shalt lift up thy tool upon it, thou hast polluted it okay now this word altar is mitzvah you know now it's number 4196 and it speaks to an altar the place of sacrifice it's from zabak number 2076 meaning the slaughtering animal usually for sacrifice you know and so this is what an altar is it's a place of sacrifice is a place where you sacrifice flesh. Amen. Amen. I forget. I can't do the clicking. Um, it's not clicking. All right, so first I'm going to take note that Yah's altar is contrasted with gods made of silver and gold. Now, does anyone remember what a god is? Judge. Strong ruler or judge, absolutely. You know, now this is important. This is important to grasp because Yah is contrasting his altar with gods of silver and gold. He said, you know, you seen me come and talk to you from on the mountaintop. You didn't see no form. You ain't see no shape. You know, so don't make unto me gods of silver and gold. You know, now that's a twofold statement. Yes, it literally means don't make no graven image 
you know, try to make some graven image of him, you know. Um, but also it means don't set up those who have the silver and gold as your leaders. I don't think y'all heard. You know, it also says don't set up those with the silver and gold as your leaders. Now, nowadays, you know, you look at you look at people, you know, um, and people, you know, they respect people because they have stuff, they have silver and gold, they have material wealth. And this is nothing new. It's been that way since the beginning of time. You know, but Yah saying is saying, you know, don't respect them because of the silver and gold. Everybody with me? Yeah. You know, he said, do not set up for yourself gods of silver and gold. Don't respect them, you know, who have the silver and gold. You know, that's not, you know, that's not what you're supposed to make your God out of. Don't, you know, don't use that as a representation of me. Just because so, I give, I've given someone silver or gold does not make them your strong judge or ruler. Amen? You know, so that's what he's trying to get across. And so that's what I want all of us to understand. You know, it's a reason he contrasted, you know, his altar with gods of silver and gold. You know, because you know, because the golden rule been around a very, very long time. Everybody know the golden rule? No, the golden rule is he who has the gold makes the rules. <laughs> That's the golden rule. <laughs> you know, he who has the gold makes the rules. You know, and and y'all is saying no, 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 not in my camp. Yah is saying, not amongst my people, he who has to go don't make the rules here, but he makes the rules, Yahweh Elohim, amen? Yeah. You know, he's the only one that makes the rules, you know, so um, that's very important because he contrasts that, you know, with his altar, you know, showing that his altar is, that's the one that you're supposed to look for, you know, um, you know, as his representation not images of silver and gold, you know, but his altar is what we're to look for as representation of him. You know, so Moshe is commanded to make Yah an altar of earth. But let's pay particular attention to the word translated as earth. You know, that word is Adamai, number 127. You know, it's not the usual word that's translated as earth, which is Eretz number 776, which is translated as earth over 700 times. Adamah is translated as earth only about 50 times. And it probably shouldn't be translated as earth those, in, in those 50 times because it represents something totally different. You know, you know but uh, point being, you know, it refers to the same earth that the original man was made from. It was made from the same earth that that original man that was made in Yah's likeness and image. And so it forever represents Yah's likeness and image, the man that represents his likeness and image. So, you know, it always will entail that because that's the, um, was the origin of that man. You know, so within that, Yah is trying to show us that, hey, this is 
the one that's supposed to be your strong ruler or judge, the one that's that's most like me, the one that that is most like most in my likeness in my image. That's the one that you're supposed to look to as your strong judge or ruler. Amen. You know, so um, let us also take note of the fact that Yah's altars always faced east. You know, the altars of his temple, his tabernacles and temples always faced to the east. You know, as we see uh, noted in Ezekiel 42, 15, it says, now when he had made an end of measuring the inner house, he brought me forth um, toward the gate whose prospect is toward the east and measured it round about, you know. And so we know that the first thing that you run into after you come through the gate is the altar and it faced east. That's important to understand because what it represents is those are, once you open the gate, the altar is the first thing, the first one or the first thing to see the light. You know, because, you know, that which faces east will always see the light first because the light rises in the east. Amen? It rises in the east, it sets in the west. You know, so, yeah, temple is facing the east and the first thing to get the light is the altar you know so from these things we learn that Yah wants his altar to be made of man you know and we know that that original man was a many membered man it represented the ecclesia or the church you know and those that are first to see or understand his light they become congruent with his likeness and image you know, when they see and understand and begin to imitate him, you know, they truly become in his likeness and image. You know, essentially an altar is a place to sacrifice flesh. Yah is trying to teach us that the man or ecclesia or church, you know, that they are what that altar symbolizes, you know, and they are to sacrifice you know, their innocent flesh on behalf of Israel. Mm. No greater love is there than a man lay down his life for his friends. Amen. Yeah. You know, and so this altar, this ecclesia, they're willing to do that. And this is the example that Yahshua set when he came, yeah. is it not? Yeah. You know, now, uh, and those that realize, realize this, are the first first ones to see the light, you know. So if if you truly understand that, you know, then you are beginning to see the light. You know, you are beginning to understand. Apostle Paul put it another way. In Romans eight thirteen, he said it uh, the same thing, but he said it. He says, "For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But if ye through the ruach do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live." So can't you see that that you're, this this person is an altar. If he's constantly mortifying his flesh daily, he's an altar. You know, and this is what the morning and evening sacrifice is about. You know, it's about mortifying the deeds of the flesh daily, killing off the flesh. Well, what do you kill the flesh at? The altar. Amen? Amen. You know, and so when we're talking about an altar of, of earth, we're talking about you know, Yahshua's ecclesia, who are setting the example of killing off their flesh daily. You know, and so this becomes a very important 
picture and a very important, important aspect of how to get to Yah's presence. Also consider Romans 12, 11 says, I, I'm sorry, 12, 1. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of Elohim, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto Elohim, which is your reasonable service. Again, you can see in this that that person is an altar. That person that does such a thing, he, become, he or she becomes an altar because they're sacrificing their flesh daily. They're becoming a living sacrifice. And so, as a result, they're a type of altar. Now, when others enter into Yah's tabernacles and temples, i.e. the places Yah has chosen to put his name, the altar, that is the ecclesia, is the first thing that they're confronted with. So when someone's trying to walk this way, you know, and they come into a place where there is supposed to be, like the first thing that they're going to run into is his altar. You know, and that's supposed to be his ecclesia or the church. And that's supposed to be the entrance. Amen. You know, uh, Exodus 20, 24 said, An altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, and shalt sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, and thy peace offerings, thy sheep, and thine oxen. You know, therefore the altar or ecclesia is to serve as an example to others, as well as provide a place for others of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings, peace offerings, sheep, and oxen. So when they, when they um, actually come to the ecclesia, the ecclesia provides a place for them to worship Elohim and to sacrifice to Elohim. You know, so consider that these instructions were given during Shavuot or Pentecost, which thereby ties, ties um, the wheat harvest, which uh, is a picture of the end times, you know, per Yahshua's uh, parables, you know, as well as our covenant with Yah, you know, uh, which uh, also is entailed in there. Also, this was the only command that Yah gave them to do during Pentecost. All the others were centered about what they should not do. Mm. You know, so when you look at what Yah told them to do during this time, the only thing that he told them to do was build an altar of, of, of earth. Make an altar of earth. You know, everything else he said was what not to do. It was centered around what not to do. So that becomes, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a it becomes pretty significant when you think about that. You know, you know, it's a lot of things you shouldn't be doing, but one thing you should definitely do, and that is become an altar. Because if you don't become an altar, then you'll never be able to go forward. You know. If you, if you don't become an altar, if you don't sacrifice your flesh, then you can never get to, to the, um, the brazen labor. Because that's what comes next, you know, in the way. You know, so it all begins with becoming an altar. It all begins with sacrificing your flesh daily. You know, it all begins with, you know, dying to self, you know, so that you can help others. You know, and so this is what the ecclesia is supposed to do, and this is what everybody that follows them is supposed to supposed to um, follow suit. Amen. You know, and that ecclesia that does so, those are the first ones that received the light, the first ones that got the understanding, the first ones that began to sacrifice their flesh. You know, um, 
on behalf of everyone else. And so when the people see that they have a beautiful example and they have a place, you know, where they can come offer their sacrifices as well, you know, and, and that's what the altar is all about, you know, and of course, you know, uh, it's also um, supposed to be a place where Yah has put his name. So, you know, if they're doing it in honor of, of Yah, if they're doing it for any other reason, run. Okay. But it also said if we were to make an altar of stone, that it wasn't to be built of hewn stone or cut stone. Now, I don't know, um, for those of you all who are on Zoom, you can see the picture there. Excuse me, and the picture is kind of important for this particular part, you know, because you, you can see an altar that's made of hewn stone and it's all nice and neat and uniform. You know, and this is what an altar of hewn stone looks like. Hewn stone is cut stone. That means it was shaped. It was, it was, it was shaped. It was um, formed, you know, to fit just right. And so it, it usually looked pretty good, you know. Um, but Exodus 20, verse 25 also teaches that if one were to use a tool in making it, that it, that it would pollute it. Mm. You know, but how so? To answer this, let's consider that, like unto clay, men are depicted as stones in scripture. You know, so you have to understand that with, that these stones also speak to men. Genesis 49, 24, but his bow abode in strength and the arms of his hands were made strong by the hands of the mighty Elohim of Yaakov. From thence is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. Um, speaking of speaking of Joseph or um as I say, this things just keep blocking me. Uh, yeah, the stone of Israel. Okay, and then we have Tehillim 118.22. It says, the stone which the builders refused is become the head of the stone of the corner, which we know is speaking to Yahshua now. Um, but yes, again, speaking to a person as a stone. Yochanan 142, and he brought him to Yahushua, and then Yahushua beheld him. He said, Thou art Simon, the son of Yonah. Thou shalt be called Kephas, which is by interpretation a stone. And lastly, we have 1 Kephas 2, 5, and 6. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a, a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Elohim by Yahushua HaMashiach, wherefore also it is contained in scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. So see, we're even spoken of as stones if we're truly as a stone. Okay, so... Now, if we're to consider these stones that make up the altar to be men, what would that tell us about their character? Well, if, if, they're, if they're made of hewn stone, it would tell us that their character has been shaped and formed by man. You know, and so, hence, they would be polluted. You know, so when, when we look at that, that 
that altar that was shaped and formed, yeah, it looked nice and neat, you know, but Yah says it's polluted. Why? Because man's hands has shaped it, you know, and so when we consider the um, stones that, that make it up, we have to be able to see that they are all cut or carved. And this is what you see cut or carved by man. And this is what you see nowadays because all of your clergy go to the same cemeteries, I mean, seminaries. And, you know, and so they go through the, through the same theological schools, you know, and as a result, they all come out cookie cutter versions of one another. So much so that they tell even tell they even speak the same the same sermons, you know, which are oftentimes unbeknownst to his audience, oftentimes are hundreds of years old. Say mm. you know. But anywho, they are cookie cutter versions. They've all been shaped and formed by man. You see, and that's where the problem come in at. Now, the chief characteristic of stones is that they are very resistant to pressure. They're not easily broken, bent, or pierced. They're very, very, very long lasting. They're, they're very hard to move, you know? And so these are some very good characteristics when you're correct and you're in truth and you're doing things right, but they're not so good of characteristics if you're doing things wrong, because then you become hard hearted your heart becomes like stone. And that's not a good thing, you know, when you're wrong. Selah. Now, that said, take a look at the altar, the picture that's there now. And this is an altar made of unhewn stone. You know, and what you'll see that the altar is, you know, it looks quite a bit different. You know, I want to show you a contrast. Let's get a picture of them both up there so you can see the, see the contrast. Okay, so we're looking at the two types of um, stone altars, the hewn as well as the unhewn. Now you see the one on the left, the hewn stone altar, it's, it's, it looks nice and neat and it's, it's, it's kind of cute, you know, but the unhewn is somewhat ugly. You got all these different color stones, all these different shapes, sizes, and colors. It's ununiform, but that's the beauty of it. That's the beauty of it because that is the way that Yah made it. And this is what Yah wants. He wants stones that he made. He don't want the stones that man done shaped and molded you know, into what they wanted it to be. He wants the stones to remain the way he made it. So you have a contrast between man-made stones and Yah-made stones. And Yah prefers the ones he made. And this is what he wants to make his altar of. He wants his word to be the only tool to shape and inform his stones. And that's how he shapes and forms us, is via his word. You know, whereas man, you know, they use their own tools. And so Yah says, when you do that, you've polluted it. Mm. You know, and I know like a lot of people that go to cemetery, I'm, man, I keep doing that seminary school. And, you know, and so they come out as cookie cutter versions of one another and they are polluted. 
now it's very difficult for them to see, you know, the mistruths as well as the truths because they're all looking at it from a certain lens. And that lens taints everything they look at. All right, verse 26 says, Neither shalt thou go up by steps in unto mine altar, that thy nakedness be not discovered thereon. Hmm. Now, it was customary for the Egyptians to go up by steps before they were allowed to rule over the people. There were 70 steps, one for each language of men. And before one could rule or even be second and rule over Mizraim, they would have to be able to go up each step, proving their knowledge of different languages. You know, and Yah says he doesn't want his, his rulers to be like that. He doesn't want his judges and rulers, you know, to just be knowledgeable. You know, so he says we're not to go up by step, i.e. a senior's altar by arbitrary knowledge, by knowledge of the world. That's not what he's interested in. You know, more so, um, James 1.22 teaches us, you know, what he desires. It says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know, see, you can have, be very knowledgeable. You know, you can have, you know, PhDs and masters and bachelors and so on and so forth, you know, and be filled with man's knowledge. But if you don't have the knowledge of Elohim, then it's all for naught. You know, and so that's the knowledge that we all need. That's the knowledge that we should all be trying to acquire first and foremost. But usually that's the last lot knowledge that folks are trying to get. They want to get their careers going. They want to get that money flowing in, you know, because sometimes even unbeknownst to themselves, their gods are made of silver and gold. Say that. You know, but we, all the would-be saints, you know, they want the knowledge of Elohim first and foremost. You know, Hosea 6, 6 says, for I desire steadfast love and not sacrifice. You know, this is the type of sacrifice that Yah wants, steadfast love. And he says, the knowledge of Elohim rather than burnt offerings. And so here, here it is, he's saying, you know, what he want on his altar is steadfast love. What is steadfast love? Steadfast love is obedience unto Elohim. And a lot of people don't understand, you know, Yah's definition of love. Yah's definition of love is obedience unto him. And that's what he wants. Steadfast love and the knowledge of Elohim rather than burnt offerings. You know, now, oh, the burnt offerings, you know, speaks to one that has devoted their lives unto Elohim. They devoted their lives unto serving him for life, their whole life. That's why it was called a whole burnt offering because their whole life was consumed by the fire and Yah is the consuming fire. And so within the burnt, whole burnt offering, what we, what we see is a picture of someone who has fully donated their lives, you know, devoted their lives to Yah, to serving Yah. You know, and so this is what he 
desires, you know, but you have to have that love because true love is, like I said, obedience unto Yah. And so if you're serving him, but you're serving him in disobedience or you're serving him your way rather than his way, then it still doesn't work. It's, it's still no good. You understand? You know, so um, you have to have the love and you also have to have the knowledge of Elohim so that you can do it properly, you know, and then devote yourself, devote your life to him. Then it also spoke of the peace offering, you know, which expresses thanks to Elohim, you know, um, and, you know, it could just be a gift to Elohim or, or where, whereby you make a promise to Elohim, you know, but also it's to keep shalom, to keep peace betwixt thee and Elohim or betwixt you and your neighbor. You know, you may have offended your neighbor and you may have apologized and, and, and all that good stuff, but you may be led to offer a peace offering. Go to them and give them a peace offering to let them know that your apology was sincere. You know, and a lot of, oftentimes, you know, that causes the apology to be you know, accepted more wholeheartedly, let's put it that way. You know, and with that, there was supposed to be bread made without yeast. And of course, that speaks to the teachings of Elohim without the sin, you know, or the teachings of Elohim, with, with, you know, the pure teachings of Elohim without the um, leaven or the sin that, or hypocrisy or doctrines of men involved into it, you know, and with it. And so you see a beautiful picture, you know, of the peace offering. You know, sometimes you, you may feel like you trespassed against Yah, you know, and so give a peace offering, you know, rather than just saying, yeah, I'm sorry, I, I repent. You know, if you truly sorry, you truly repent, then give them a peace offering. Make certain that you're at peace with them. Same thing with, with your brother or sister. You know, and then it spoke of sheep. You know, of course, we sacrifice sheep on the altar. And the sheep is just, it's just a picture of one who follows the shepherd. And we know who our shepherd is, amen? You know, and so, you know, when we sacrifice our lives, you know, to follow the shepherd, that is another type of offering. You know, and then we had the oxen. And the oxen is usually what the whole burnt offering was um was was made from, you know, and it speaks to the strong rulers, but it, it speaks to one who has the who has devoted themselves to serving Yah. The oxen was the chief servant. And so it speaks to one who has devoted themselves to serving Elohim. You know, and so, you know, within this earthen altar, we see a beautiful depiction of Yah's way, his way that leadeth into his presence. It begins with the altar. It begins with those who have devoted themselves unto him, devoted themselves to serving him, devoted themselves to following him, devoted themselves to obeying him. You understand? So, you know, these, 
these these are the characteristics you know they they're they're like stone they're unmovable in their in their in their thoughts they're unmovable in their devotions they're unmovable you know from Yah's word you know they're they're like stones so please understand that to do Yah's word is to love him and not to do it is to not love him we learned this in Yochanan 14 15 it says if you love me keep my commandments this is Yahshua speaking and in verse 24 right um just a little ways below it it says he that loveth me not that loveth me not keep of not my sayings and the word which he hears not mine but the fathers who sent me you know so hereby we know that to love Yah is to keep his commandments you know, and so if you want to give him that steadfast love that he desires, then give him steadfast obedience. Amen? Amen. So you see, it's not about how much knowledge one has acquired or accrued of the world, but rather how much you know and do concerning Yah Elohim. If we only learn to love him, he'll come to us and we won't even have to go to him. He'll come to us. And he'll bless us. And this is what is depicted in Exodus 20, 24, where he says, you know, an altar of earth thou shalt make unto me, shall sacrifice thereon thy burnt offerings, thy peace offerings, thy sheep, thine oxen, in all places where I record my name, I will come unto thee and I will bless thee. Hallelujah. That's all I have for you. Pray was a blessing.